Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, Defining Moments Worth Talking About. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and with me is Stephen Otterstrom. Stephen, how are you doing today? Oh, doing well, but what a week we've had, right? Yeah. <laughs> have you been yes. living in the United States right along with me? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I've, uh, for- fortunately, I've not sought out too much news information, just, just enough to keep tabs as to, are those numbers changing to see where we're at? Yeah. Yeah, and, and so if any of you are listening, to, well, hopefully you're listening to this Monday or sometime after, you might be thinking, wait, wait, you're still watching this? Uh, just to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, we we're recording this on Friday. So, um, no, not Friday, on Thursday. That's the kind of week we have had. <laughs> Indeed. It certainly <laughs> feels kind of, like Friday, though. Yeah. So, so go back in time uh, a little bit and you'll know uh, where we're at uh, and maybe – Maybe in the future, when you're listening to this, we're in the exact same place still. You know, yeah. um, I, it, it it's crazy to see we're, we we just had an election, a major election, and there's a possibility that uh, we could have either a candidate win. That's normal, but there's even a remote possibility of a tie, and it'd probably be the first time. Well, I don't know. It wouldn't be the first time in history that the um, Senate has had to pick the winner, but it would be the first time that that was forced by an actual tie so um i mean that's very remote but uh i'm not sure there's ever been a time that we've even had that as a a potential possibility yeah um, an electoral tie so goodness a lot going on and um you know i think election night for me was was very interesting especially from the perspective that you know i always like to watch this kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh but i actually was working i had uh several contracts that i i started one at six p.m that night my time and then i worked clear through the night and so i actually watched the numbers all night long to where it was um looking pretty certain to me you know early on that that donald trump would be reelected, and and then i saw the numbers ever so slowly you know just creeping up and creeping up and creeping up until you know by morning time it was anybody's game at that point, you know, that it, there was there was no no clear leader. There was certainly a, a trend in place that s- seemed to indicate that if those numbers could continue to grow at that rate, that, um, you know, Biden might pull out a, a win. Yeah. But the question is whether even enough, you know, that trend only works if there's enough votes to follow it through. Yeah. And so it was it was really interesting to watch that. Um, and, uh, you know. A little well, bit stressful I, too. <laughs> I, I, on the other hand, uh, the polls close at 7 p.m. Naturally, my own time zone, and uh, so there's really not a lot happening until it's about my bedtime, because yeah. <laughs> you know the the East Coast is a little bit earlier, and then I'm in the center cent- Central Time Zone, Chicago Time Zone. For those of you outside the United States. Um, and so you you have a little bit of an advantage that you start to see those numbers trickle in at a, a reasonable hour early, of the night. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I did do a quick look, and I think they'd already had some points up as far as what they anticipated electoral votes already. Mm-hmm. Uh, one or two states possibly had, you know, 60% or so counted. And uh, I simply went to bed and waited to see what would happen in the morning rather than uh, strain <laughs> myself to see. All night long. And, yeah. And, and then do math because you're just curious. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. And what, it, what it felt like to me and what it still feels like a little bit is like watching, um, you know, a game. And I'm not a big sports fan, but I have gone to a couple of games um, and – you know, where they go into triple overtime and quadruple yeah. overtime. And yeah. it's just, you're so close and, but you might not win and you might, and it, it seems like we've been in overtime for, for quite a while. And, you know, I, I think that's what kind of really prompted us to have the topic we have today is yes. that um, this is maybe a good time for us to think about, you know, a virtue. I remember my mother used to always say, you know, patience is a virtue and it's patience yes. that we're talking about. And I, I used to think that was a way of her just saying no. <laughs> and, and truly, that's probably what it meant more than anything is you're not going to get it. And I'm not real willing to say no right now. Yeah. Um, but patience is a unique item because it's, it's something that we don't generally choose to be patient. You know, if I'm hungry, I usually eat as soon as the food is done. I don't stop mm. and give a half hour of patience because I just want to exercise my patience. Um, 
we yeah, usually it's, it's it's not a muscle we like to exercise, right? This is my yeah. patient's muscle. Watch and see how patient I can be. I, I think the cl- the closest I've come to that as far as practicing it, knowingly practicing it, is probably playing the quiet game as a child. That mm-hmm. that might fit in that category. I'm not even sure. <laughs> That that delayed gratification, you know, um, yeah. we all know that it can be better. That if you can put something off, food tastes better when you're hungry. Um, the bed is softer when you're tired. We we yeah. know that that um, kind of the the pleasures or the gratification that comes after the fact is generally better, but it, it's still not worth us putting the um, effort into to be patient unless we're forced into it. Like in this circumstance, you know, where we, anyone um, who's into politics would, would uh, give their right hand to know how this is going to end. But the truth is it doesn't matter because you have to wait. And I, yes. I guess when we force that muscle to be exercised, there's certain benefits that come from that. Um, and maybe when it's forced upon us, it's a good time for us to really stop and make sure we, we get the benefit from, patients. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things about patients too, and you and I talked about this uh, prior to beginning the recording is we, and and I know this is going to be a little bit obvious, but uh, uh, just to say it and get it out there, we in our culture today have very little need for patients almost. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when you and I were children, I think I can speak for you as well, Mm because you're not too far behind me. Uh, (laughs) When you and I were children, microwaves were quite a rarity if they existed Mm -hmm. at all. And I I always have a tendency to say we live in a microwave society where we are used to everything instantly. You know, (laughs) we we have the internet in our pocket. We, you know, if, if, if it does not pull up Google within a matter of seconds, then we're impatient because it's taken so long. Uh, We receive our news in real time, which, you know, election, uh, that's pretty normal. We've done that most of our lives. Uh, getting it by broadcast television, uh, but now we can even see it at the speed of light practically uh, on the mm-hmm. internet. And so I, I can see where in our culture today, we've drifted away from that virtue of patience. And and it's all, and I say that not to be condemning, but just in truthfulness, because we have such easy access. Uh, I mean, my gosh, uh, Amazon delivers on Sunday. And it comes sometimes with a postal carrier bringing it. So it it's boggles my mind <laughs> that uh, we can get access to the things that we have today, even around the globe. You know, we can order. It does take a little while to get something from China. It takes a couple months <laughs> or about six, eight weeks, it seems like, uh, when you happen to order one of those Amazon products. But regardless, it's faster now than it's ever been in our world. Yeah, and it's so, true. We, I think we've just sort of slipped into, um, uh, or, or maybe not, not uh, I don't know the right word, but just gotten used to it, plain and simply, for well, lack of better words. It's interesting because you bring up being like a microwave, uh, living in a microwave world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it brought back memories to me when we got our first microwave. And yeah. um, it was a gift from our, uh, my grandmother. And... I remember the first thing we cooked in it was a potato. It had the ingredients. It had the you yes. know the instructions yes. for how to cook a baked potato. And usually, you know, if you bake a potato, it takes about an hour. And instead, we baked this potato in like ten minutes or ten something. Minutes. Yes. And um, and I remember all of us just marveling at how quick and how we'll never have to wait for a potato again. It didn't yes. even dawn on us then that a potato in the microwave tastes like crap. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. We we we'd wrap it in plastic wrap, which I'm sure that's real healthy now that we know about <laughs> yes. what plastic does. Uh, but yeah, it, it it was pretty nasty, but it was just. It was fast. The fascination of how quick you could get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, but, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, can you think of a time in your life where you've actually learned a lesson from being patient? I, I, I know I've kind of pondered this some as we were talking about it. And uh, it, it's hard to identify actual lessons, but I can look at some times in my life where I've been forced into patience. And upon... Yeah upon the end of that period, once I I got what I wanted or I found out I couldn't get what I want, whatever the case was, 
I did definitely learn some valuable lessons, but how, how about you? Anything come to mind? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure I've had a lot of lessons like that, and probably most of them I'm, I, I would be reluctant to admit that I actually learned something from them because, again, patience is something I usually fight against. But I do think about the things that I, I really enjoy uh, doing in life. Like, you know, there, there's not a lot of things I'm really good at, but um, a couple of things I do decent. One is I play the guitar decently. And the other is that I'm pretty darn good at speaking Spanish. And it's interesting because especially like when I speak Spanish, people will be like, well, how long did it take you to to learn to do that? And I think, well, I started learning 20 years ago, yeah. you know, and it's taken 20 years to do that half of my life to be at the point I'm at, which still isn't, you know, perfect by any means. But I think about it from the perspective that it, what patience allows you, you know, like <laughs> Uh, something we, we you probably heard it in the training world. Many people have too. Is like, how do you eat an elephant? Mm, yeah, the answer is one bite at a time. You know, right. that little by little, you is how you you do great things. And if you were going for the end goal when you started out, very quickly it would be like, well, no, this isn't worth it. I'm, it's going to mm. be so long before I get to that point. You know, I think about like my sister who teaches the violin and she says, nobody who learns the violin can make a sound that anybody wants to hear in their first two years of playing. Oh wow. You know, that <laughs> it takes at least two years before you can make a sound that, that just doesn't assault the eardrums. <laughs> um, and, and yet, you know, you think about all the beautiful music that we hear and you realize anyone who ever plays that, and you turn on the radio and you listen to it. It took patience and time and practice. Mm -hmm. It took, um, you know, we talked about ritual <laughs> last week, you know, but it takes a ritual. It takes having something that you do every single day and that you don't keep, you don't, you're not waiting for the end goal. You're willing to put it off maybe almost indefinitely on the chance that it might happen at some point. And that's where we get real mastery. So I guess mm -hmm. anything that I've really learned and learned to do well, it was not because of talent or because of, um, a special learning program, it has been because of patience. That's a really good point, Steve. It, you know, as you were talking, one of the things that kind of occurred to me is uh, you, you mentioned mastery. And uh, even uh, I'd, I'd recently watched uh, the documentary, Netflix now has it, uh, The Last Dance, Michael, ja Michael Jordan's story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it took him nine years before he won his first um uh, now it shows how little I watch sports. Uh, anyhow, championship. championship, thank you. What do you call that? Basketball. It's not the Super Bowl. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I trust me, I actually watched the entire series, so I, I, I should know it. But any, anyways, just be patient with me. Uh, but yeah, it, it took him nine years to win his first championship. and But yet he, in that particular situation, he may not have necessarily been patient for nine years. Obviously, mm -hmm. he wanted to win it desperately bad, but he had the drive, the determination, and the grit to hang in there and keep trying until mm -hmm. he had reached success. And uh, I, I know our topic's not about grit, but you know, there's there's now books written about that grit and determination and how we somewhat lack that in our society today, as compared to what our our parents and grandparents had to have. Uh, just because of the luxuries that we have today make our lives a little bit easier. But there there really is something to be said about sticking to something and being patient and hanging in there, you know, and not giving up. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's what would we accomplish? You know, it, we so oftentimes we like to point to the overnight success and we've probably all heard the stories now, you know, my, my, my 20 years, of doing this has caused me to have this overnight success today kind of thing, you know, yes. so people sometimes yeah. say, and that is so true, you know, if, and to your point, if we set out with that end goal of, Hey, I want to be a superstar. I want to be an NBA uh, basketball player and win the tournament. Uh, then we might be deceiving ourselves. So you kind of almost have to enjoy the game, whatever that game might be along the way and that gives a little more allowance to have that patient that you need to see things through to completion does that make sense 
It does. And, and Leonard, I, I think you'll like this analogy because you're a baker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, can you know, understand that better than basketball. Exactly. Let's, <laughs> let's move away from sports. Not that I know food all that much better either, but. <laughs> we, but you do we, eat a few times I, I do a day. Eat, yeah. I do eat multiple times a day, as, as often as I possibly can. I've got plenty of COVID pounds to show for it. But, you know, as you were talking about patience and you were talking about grit, and I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's interesting because someone who has all grit, all drive, um, they hit the wall and it hurts too bad and they're done mm. because you can't just keep driving into a wall. That, that isn't effective either. You know, to just, just be a hundred percent, my goal is there and I'm going to go at it until I hit it. You know, yeah. um, there's, there's just too many barriers in the way, you know, life doesn't go in a linear fashion. It will yeah. always have turns and ebbs and curves. And, um, I am certain that between you and whatever it is you want to accomplish in life, there is some huge pitfall that you should not try to go straight through. Mm -hmm. So that drive is good, but it also has that, that, that aspect. You need to have like the right dosage of it combined with, I think, patience, which is, is that antidote to failure that when you have that failure, it's okay because you weren't looking for that success at that moment in life. You mm -hmm. were, you weren't, you weren't needing to be successful in doing that. I think about like, okay, learning the guitar and chords that you strum or riffs that you're trying to get through and you, you have to fail on them over and over and over and over and over and over. And then you get one that works and it feels so good that you're like, Oh, I'm going to try it again. And you fail again yeah. and again and again, you know, and um, too much drive and that failure is unbearable. It, it's exhausting. But the right amount of patience mixed with it, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, the right amount of leavening, I guess, in bread. Is mm -hmm. that a real thing? Could you say yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> it's just leavening agent. Yeah. yeah. That makes it rise. That makes it, that makes it work. Because, let's see, you need to have uh, the yeast and then some kind of activator, right? Is that? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and it's, it's kind of like you need those two. So the yeast is, is that patience and then that that drive is whatever that activator is. And it, and it allows you to just hmm. without this extreme success, but just a gradual con consistent growth that, that helps you achieve your objectives. Hmm. I, I really like that, Steve. It, it, the, the, I had to write that down when you said it, patience is the antidote for failure. Uh, I, I know that wasn't the full point of what you were saying, but it really is good. That really is rich because uh, you're, you're absolutely right. If we can be so driven that once we fail, we just throw in the towel, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there has to be some form of a balance or some form of substance there that keeps us going even when we do fail. Uh, of course, you know, I, I, I've always loved reading business books and motivational stuff and things like that. And, you know, uh, fail until you succeed. And that all sounds well and good, but until you try it on for size, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult, you know? Um, so it's, it's easier to read that off a poster on a wall than it is to really live that out in life. Oh yeah. Um, you look at the cat poster, you know, where it's like, hang on, yeah, hang in there. Yeah. Hang yeah. in there. Yeah. And you see the cat <laughs> hanging there and, and it's supposed to be motivating. And my thought is, I don't want to be that cat. <laughs> that does not look like fun. And I, that did not look sustainable. It does yeah. not look like that cat's going to be able to stay up there indefinitely. Yeah. You know, it really should be rethink your life. <laughs> yeah. If this is where you're at, um, yeah. let's, let's find a more measured way to achieve, you know, what, what it is that you're looking for. You know. Well, and, and, and you even hit something right there. You know, you just said rethink your life. That's one of the things that I think we gain from patience. You know, so, mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, when when I purchase the home that we currently have, uh, so I, I'm, I'm fortunate. I live in a beautiful home. It was a bank foreclosure. Uh, we bought it when the housing market was down. And by the way, we're refinancing it again now that interest rates are down. And I. I, I shouldn't probably say this on the air, but I, I love to tell this story. Uh, so my house, when we originally purchased it, uh, it's a 3,200 square foot home. So it's a sizable home. 
uh, we, we, we purchased it and mom and dad plug your ears cause they don't like me to talk money publicly. <laughs> um, but we, we, we were able to purchase a home for $110,000. Oh, wow. Now, it, Memphis housing is pretty reasonable to begin with, but that was at the time it appraised at 225. So mm-hmm. we, we got a super value on it. Well, we, we just, um, and, and for the record, we just had it reappraised and it, it appraised right around 308. Oh, wow. And so we're, we're doing pretty good here. <laughs> if I live here long enough, I won't have to pay for it, I think. Uh, <laughs> yes. so, but the story I'm driving to, though, is we looked at the home, loved it, and dropped the money down on it, you know, expressed interest and went through the process. Since it was a foreclosure, though, uh, we first looked at the home in September and we moved into the home December 17th. It took that long to kind of go through the process, wow. clear all the back titles and termite inspections, everything that you have to do when you purchase a home and haggle through all of that. Who's going to pay for what? Because some things needed to be done prior to moving in, etc. cetera. Uh, but at that time, we really loved the house and still do love the house when we saw it. But we did not know with a hundred percent certainty that the house would be ours because of that foreclosure process, making sure there were no liens on it, making sure, you know, all of that. And so my wife and I, uh, cause we had tons of conversations about it. You know, it's one of those things when you feel like it's the right thing, uh, but there's a possibility that that right thing might not happen. And then what do you do? You know, mm-hmm. and and so the phrase that I have used over and over when I tell this story to someone is we had to hold it loosely. You know, so it was something we desperately wanted, but yet we had to hold it loosely, our desires loosely, because mm-hmm. we weren't sure if we would be able to keep it or if we would have to release it and let it go. And so needless to say, that was a period of patience for us. And, you know, it was uh, just one of those things we had to live with. There was no option. We had no other choice or just cash out and say, forget it, you know. Uh, But it was a time, and fortunately, it all worked out in our favor. But it was just an interesting time. Uh, and it became very reflective during that time. You know, what would we do mm-hmm. if? And uh, I, I think that helps really kind of fortify people. Uh, you know, it did us. It kind of strengthens you because you begin to assess what is a value. And I'm not just talking monetary, but what, what mm-hmm. do you put your value in? And what do you put your hopes in and your trust in? And is this safe or not safe to, to trust and hope for this? And, you know, I don't want to like over spiritualize it or anything, but it just does become a time where you really kind of contemplate things and what you value and what those outcomes could be if they don't work out the way you want. How, how are you going to handle it? And yeah. That I, 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 I really love um, that phrase, hold it loosely. I'm not sure I've ever heard that before, at least not in this context necessarily, but I think what I really find most enlightening about that is we we always want to say keep a stiff upper chin and and you know smile through the pain and all of these things and mm-hmm. and what I heard from that is that sometimes you have to prepare yourself for the inevitable potential of disappointment but yet yeah. you also need to be able to hope because by hoping you try to do something that while it may not end up paying off it could you know, um, and it kind of really goes into that, that power of hope. You know, I, I, I was, I don't know why it made me think of this story, but um, a, a time when, when I just had to kind of stop and go, you know what, <laughs> um, I'm just going to have to wait for things to get better because there's no other option at this point. And so the circumstance was this, this is when I was 20 years old. And um, I was a Mormon missionary in Uruguay. And um, the way that it worked at that time is you would periodically be transferred to different areas. You didn't stay in one area of the country the entire time. And at that time, I was in the capital of Montevideo, and I got a transfer. It came with my, my mail for the week. was just a little slip of paper. This is the way your transfer came. It was just a slip of paper with an address on it. 
And the address was for the other side of the country. It's a little like a fortune cookie, only different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it would have been super amazing if it actually came with a fortune in it. But, um, you know, so so I came with this, um, you know, I, all I had was this little slip of paper and I went in there and um, I, well, it was on the other side of, of Uruguay. So I was going from um, Montevideo to Rivera. Rivera is right on the border with Brazil. Uh, and b- even though it's a small country, it's still a six-hour full, day, you know, uh, bus ride, and then a full day when you consider, you know, all of the when you get on the bus and taking the taxis and things like that. And uh, by the time I my bus arrived in Rivera, so I bought a ticket because I saw the city was Rivera. I, I arrive and it's two in the morning, mm. and um, I have this piece of paper, and there is a taxi there. And I also have, to last me for the rest of the month, I have about 200 pesos, which is, it was pretty close to about $20 mm. back then. And I really don't even know how far from the bus station this is. So I go down to the taxi guy and the taxi guy, you know, looks at it and he's like, oh, I know where this is at. Yep, yeah, I got you. I got you. And um, he's like, it's not too far. And so he starts driving me around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the, the street was um, Artega was the name of the street, but um, Artiaga was the street he took me to. And he dropped me off. He said, that'll only be 140 pesos. Not much choice, right? Pay him 140 pesos. I've got six bucks to last me for the rest of the of the of the week and i go knock on the door Mm. and i knock on the door and this lady opens it just a crack and she's like guinness who's there i'm Mm. like um soy el ether otherstrom i'm elder otterstrom because they would call themselves um um (laughs) and she's like ya tengo religion i already have a religion (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like, you know, was, she thought you were a Mormon missionary knocking yeah, at the door. And I was a Mormon morning. missionary. Uh, like, I guess we, you were. Wow. Yeah, and, and I was dressed as a Mormon missionary. I had my little badge <laughs> on and my white shirt, white my shirt. tie, and, and yeah. all of those things. And, and she's like, no, 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 go away. We already have religion. We already have religion. And I'm like, I, I just wonder, do I live here? Do you know the missionaries? Do you know the, the door's closed. Oh, and man. I walked back to the street with my, um, you know, two suitcase cases. Cause that's all I had was those two suitcases. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm sitting there didn't in the street. Your, didn't pack your bike with you. And in my mission, we weren't allowed to have bikes. Um, okay. Yeah. It was just the traffic they felt was too dangerous. Uh, okay. for missionaries. I mean, they, they're in other areas they do, but at that time, that was the rule. They yeah. felt it was too dangerous. And so, um, yeah, I had no bike. All I had was two suitcases, six bucks, and a sheet of paper showing an address where I didn't live. Mm. And <laughs> 7,000 miles away from my home in the United States. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and I, I, I think now I probably would freak out a little more, um, you know, but I wasn't an atheist then. That was kind of the, the thing about being a missionary. You had to believe in God, but <laughs> it helps. It helps. And so I did have this belief that there was, you know, someone out there watching over me, but there really wasn't anything to do except just wait for something to get better. Mm. You know, I couldn't go walking one way or the other. I didn't know which way to walk. I didn't even know my way back to the bus station. Hmm. You know, if I had gotten another taxi, I'm not sure that that would have even, you know, there was, there was just nothing to do but sit and wait for my circumstances to get better. And, and and it's kind of strange because I think, again, now I probably would have freaked out a little more, but I remember thinking at that time, I'm like, this is probably the most alone I'll ever be in my whole life. And I ought to kind of just sit and think about that. Just feel it for a moment. Like, mm-hmm. and I, was, I don't, didn't mean that like, oh, I'm lonely. But, but that was, yeah. this is probably the most alone you'll ever be in your entire life. You, you couldn't be further away from everyone. 
Uh, and I, I know it would have been for me if I was you at that moment. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. And, you know, uh, my Spanish was okay at that point. You know, I hadn't been out that long to really have it perfected, but I could say what I needed to. And so I just sat there and and waited, and, and along came this guy on a moped, um, little 50cc scooter that uh, it's for many people down there, that was a family vehicle. You'd sometimes see six people on it. Yeah. And, and he just kind of saw me standing in the road, and he pulled over, and he said something to the effect that, like, you don't look like you belong here. <laughs> it looks like, looks like something's wrong. Like I, I didn't even flag him down. He just saw the situation. He said, um, and, and I, I showed him the sheet of paper and I said, I was looking for, um, uh, and he said, well, let's do this. Um, let's take your, um, your, your two suitcases they are pretty heavy. We put them on the, on the moped because uh, it had kind of a, a little divot where the feet go, and we pushed the moped down the street. He said, there's a um, a police station about two blocks away. And so he, he takes me to this police station, and he's explaining to them, because he figures they would have to know where I live or be able to help. And and, and they're kind of like, wait, why are we helping this gringo out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and he advocated for me. He's like... Hey, yeah. you, you're, you're servants of, of whoever's here, whether or not they're our, our paisanos, our, our, our countrymen, or whether they're, you know, extranjeros, you know, like, uh, what do you call them? Foreigners. There's, there's the word, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whether, whether, you know, you, you are, you are there to protect and to help. And they said, well, you know, that's, that's probably true. And, you know, he was pretty bold with them. And so they, um, you know, a guy, he got on the phone, he called around, he found it the taxi driver who had driven the missionaries out to the house that was really quite a ways out. Um, the last time a pair of them came out. So, uh, they, they've actually found someone who knew exactly where we lived and, you know, came and took me and, and the ride was only 50 pesos. So I now had, you know, $1 for the rest of the month, but at least I was where I needed to be. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because that's one of those lessons in patience that you don't ever choose to be taught a lesson in patience. It chooses you, but you can choose whether or not you're going to get something out of it. I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the one point of agency you have is can can I grow in this? Can can I get something out of having to exercise that patience muscle as you described it earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a, a a great observation, Steve. Uh, a great story too, for that matter. But uh, a great yeah. observation is because you know during our times of impatience, and I mean, my gosh, we well. You and I both have children. I guess not. Not everybody listening will have children, but you know we have been children. They've probably ourselves seen at a one child point. before. Yeah, yeah, and we've been children ourselves at one point in time. And you're anxious. You know how anxious a child mm-hmm. could be, and they express it with their full body when they're anxious. You know, and uh, we've always, you know, be patient, be patient, wait, wait, in a moment, in a moment. You know, mm-hmm. and never in that moment do we as children ever stop to think why should i be patient what am i gaining from this and so on but i do think as adults i think there's much value in that uh to take the time and sort of self-reflect um even you know because again typically patience is when we're waiting for something at least in my view patience is oftentimes when we're waiting for something we desire and we may or may not get what we desire. And so it's a great time to sort of put some thought to it, you know, and kind of question things, I think. And I think another aspect of patience is, and, and this is maybe the more challenging side of it, is sometimes we have to be patient for the undesirable. Yes. You know, yes. Um, sometimes we have to be patient uh, to hear a diagnosis or we have to be patient um, and I, I really like what you said earlier about holding it loosely, mm-hmm. you know, that um, I, I feel like, you know, Leonard, when we get our book written, there should be a, a, a chapter on the types of patients for different, for different, because it's not always the same thing. You know, when you're, when you're waiting 
you know, to ride a roller coaster at an amusement park, which for me, that is unpleasant, but for other people, that's exciting. You know, it's, it's just about holding back the joy that you're yeah. going to experience and allowing it to build up into this unanticipated euphoria. Mm-hmm. But there's another kind of patience that you deal with when you have a known or an unknown that hovers over your head waiting to come down, you know, that other shoe to drop. Mm. And, yeah. and, and that is a very different, more difficult scenario. You know, it's not just about hold on, <laughs> things right. will get better. Maybe hold on, things are not going to get better. Things are going yes. to get worse. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and then two, to add to that, the, the third, and as you start to talk about some of the, the painful patients, um, I, I know I've, I've been privileged. Uh, my, my wife helped to take care of her great-grandmother as well as her grandmother prior to their passing. And so not patient waiting for their death, but the patience of dealing with an elderly person that was unable to do some things for themselves or that purchased that deal on TV for a limited time <laughs> only and it was non-refundable and they wanted their money back. And, you know, so we, yeah. we've got lots of stories of, of, of dealing with some of those inner workings and, and having to be patient, uh, going to the house and the dog was under the bed and wouldn't come out only to discover that the closet door had been closed and the dog was in the closet, you know? So all of those, all of those times that grow character in an individual like myself uh, and force you to um, walk in a little bit more humility and certainly a lot more patience than what I sometimes recognize I'm able to carry. Uh, So there, there really are very many different kinds of patients. You're, You're so right about that. And I think that really the value of, of the type of patience that you're talking about, you know, is that it allows you to take the pain in doses that are easier to handle. Mm. You know, that it allows you not to process all the information of bad news at once, <laughs> to yeah. have it come in slowly, to allow you to have hope. Um, at times when it doesn't make sense to have hope and your hope is likely misdirected, but you need it just so that you can handle the pain in a a dosage that, that isn't too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then as that hope disappears, you, you know, it allows you to, you know, in some ways it's, it's, it, it's that way of, of letting yourself down easy, you know, because I think sometimes we feel like, we have to face our fears. We have to face our problems and we have to do it all at once. And we have to be brave and we have to run boldly into whatever challenges life throws at us. But Mm -hmm. that only works if you've never dealt with any real major challenges, because there's no human being that is tough enough to really handle what life will throw at them. Uh, You know, face on (laughs) it, it needs to sometimes be taken one little bit at a time um, until we've kind of, eating the whole elephant, whether we like it or not. Yes. Yeah. 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 So true. So true. And, you know, one, one thing that I, I just cannot help, but think about when we talk about patience as well, and it's not, uh, it's not something I've used real often, but it's something that I've heard that is so appropriate is uh, you may be familiar with the serenity prayer, you know, so it's, it's just simply, you know, God guarantees, grant me the sincerity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And that mm-hmm. I, I think is a pretty fair definition of patience as well. You know, yeah. it's uh, because we patience is required oftentimes because something is beyond our control. Let's face it. You know, if, if it were in our control, we would fix it. We would make it better or we would, you know, whatever the case is, uh, but the fact it's out of our control, it it actually causes or or uh, allows a need for patience might be the proper way of saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't cause patience, but patience is the need that has to fill that void or else we'll just go nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and I love how you're, you know, you're referring the, to this from this perspective, that it's something that's it's gained over time, too, that, you know, like anything, you get better at it the more you do it. 
I think about um, like my, my parents, for example, and my father in particular, you know, um, he's one person that I, I look at and I see immeasurable patience in him. Even when we were kids, you know, I, I, I can count, you know, on one hand, the times that we pushed him over to the edge where he kind of snapped. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, I think as raising my own kids, I never had that level of deep patience, you know, that, that he had. And yeah. um, I think about how, how did that happen? Well, you know, it probably started, you know, with when he was um, just a, a little kid, his, his little brother was born, got really sick, um, one evening had a fever for a couple of weeks. And then after that, because it was such a high fever, it, it caused brain damage and he has several mm -hmm. palsy for the yeah. rest of his life. And his, you know, he, he spent that time with his brother. He learned how to communicate, even though he couldn't talk, they had their own kind of little language that his brother would use his tongue, um, and position it in different places of his mouth. It was the only thing he could really control. And, and they learned to communicate that way. Mm. And then um, uh, when he was, uh, uh, I think his brother was nine years old. Uh, my dad would have been about 13 uh, that, you know, he was up in his room and he heard, heard his brother stop crying because he cried a lot. He cried, you know, it's difficult life, you know, that his yeah. brother had it, sure. different, different time. This is in the forties. Uh, mm -hmm. So there, there weren't the resources that exist today. Um, just, all the resources that a family could try and give them. Yeah. And nor, nor the comforts of today either. Exactly. Exactly. And he heard his, his brother stop crying and he just knew that he had died and he didn't mm. know what else to do. So he just stayed upstairs and, you know, he knew that his brother was in his mom's arms, you know, that he, when he had gone up, you know, to bed, she had been holding him, mm. you know, and then, and then a year later, um, he comes home from uh, school and, no, actually, he didn't come from school. He was he was actually down in the basement shoveling coal into their furnace, and his father was a coal miner. Um, you know, uh, didn't come home. In fact, when he heard the the door upstairs and he was downstairs covering shoveling coal, it was their ecclesiastical leader and it was the sheriff, mm. and he knew what that combination meant. Yeah, just you know, like uh, someone in yeah. the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew what that meant. He knew his dad had been killed in the coal mine. Mm. And, uh, you know, what? The, the interesting thing is there's a lot of people who have had difficult things in their lives and they don't all come out being masters of patience. Yeah. But that was how, you know, for my father, it made him, I, I'm assuming it made him, maybe it's just who he was, but it made him more gentle and made him more tender. It made him more empathetical. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it made it so there was really nothing that ever seemed to exhaust his wealth of patience, hmm. um, you know, as a parent. And, 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 I, and I wonder, you know, and, and I know we've, we've talked about having him come on the podcast, but maybe that's a question I need to ask him while, <laughs> while there's still time, you know. Is, and I don't know if he would know either, but how, how do you take those difficult things and, and have them make you into a better person because I've gone through difficult things and I feel like it often makes me a worse person. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like patience somewhere fits into that. I'm not sure where. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting thought, Steve, because it, it does seem, of course, especially hearing your father's story, you know, uh, through that, typically there's two outcomes, either, either someone is, meek and patient and humble having gone through all the things they have or or they find some form of medication <laughs> to uh <laughs> or you know whether it's anger whether it's a substance to uh vent their frustrations and become a much more destructive individual and uh i, I don't know that that happens with all areas of patience, but it, it seems in some small way that it really does as i kind of reflect on it you know and i feel like it has to do with how we accept defeat you know, mm -hmm. that um, some of us will realize as, as life beats us down that you're not going to win against life. Yeah. And so we use that as a way of saying, okay, I get it. This is not a game I'm going to win. <laughs> this is a game that I'm going to share with other people and I'm going to try and help those around me. And together we're all going to try and make a better experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. Where if we actually thought we could win at life, 
we wouldn't be as prone to to reach out. In fact, this is going back to the current events right now. Um, I mean, it, anyone who knows me finds that I get very passionate about my politics, uh, <laughs> especially because, um, you know, when it has to do with immigration, uh, many of my closest friends um, have dealt with challenges of, of, of being uh, documented correctly to be in the United States. None of them have been an illegal person because it's, you know, no persons are illegal, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, they would be described as illegal. And I've seen uh, many of them deal with uh, family separation, and I've seen I've seen such intense pain, and 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 I've seen such intense ignorance. You know, when people say, "Well, why didn't they just come legally?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in some circumstances, they fled for their lives, and you know, coming legally wouldn't have been an option. Right. And um, you know, and and so I, I get very passionate about that, and. Um, our current president is not someone that I can look at with a lot of love in that circumstance. I do understand there are policy differences and there are things, but it's something that um, that it it really rubs me wrong. And so, of course, I was very excited to see him lose uh, earlier this week. But then I was watching, and he wasn't losing. At least not yet. At least not yet. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. as as time went on. And as I saw that nobody was getting an answer right away and that I might have to accept defeat, Mm -hmm. it made me think in a little more empathetical way about the people who are on the other side of the political spectrum, Mm -hmm. that even if I did win, they were going to feel what I was feeling at that moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe not you, Leonard, because you kind of have a perfect balance <laughs> to your life sure. you could, you sure could go to bed on election night but <laughs> but there are, there are people just as passionate as i am yeah uh, on the other side of the spectrum and just as stressed yeah. if it doesn't break the direction that they are hoping for it to break and just as having just as much a doomsday perspective on it as i have and i don't think i would have stopped to ponder that had I gotten election results right away, yeah, I think I, I needed to have it bounce back and forth a little bit to gain a little bit of empathy for people yeah. who have a different perspective. And I think that's a great observation, Steve. And, and of course, it's still bouncing as we speak. It's still bouncing. <laughs> it's still bouncing. Uh, but it, I, I think you really bring up a good point. And I had heard said before, I don't recall who, but it, it's neither here nor there. You know, once upon a time, we received our news by way of carrier. You know, back mm-hmm. in the day, it was, you know, somebody on a horse that would travel from town to town and carry news. And eventually we got newspapers and so on. And so at one point in time, and not too distant past, you know, we received our news in a delayed fashion. So by the time we received it, you know, say in a print newspaper, it had to have at least happened 24 hours before to make it to press to be print. And by the time it came to our door, you know, we may well have been two days separated from the event that happened. Mm -hmm. And so there was less, um, maybe a little bit less angst or concern. And and I I hate to say less concern, but anyhow, there was a recognition. There was less could be done because the amount of time that transpired between when the news occurred and when the news was heard. And I think to the internet of today, I think that's kind of helped escalate where we are seeing uh, the, the, the biases on either side be so extreme uh, or the extreme opinions, whichever, whatever we want to word this divide as being. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I really think that because of the instantaneous of it, it, it does allow some of that to happen, uh, the emotion to rise a little bit quicker. And to your point about the election here, this is now something way beyond our control. And I mean, I, I waited two hours to vote. Talk about yeah. patience. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wait, it took me two hours to get through the line. And actually when I left, or at least it, when I was approaching the doors to get in to vote, the line was even longer than when I had first arrived. And so I know people waited up to two and a half hours where my poll was. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the time my son got there, it was down to probably about an hour, hour and a half wait. But I mean, this was throughout the day. 
so you had that process and uh, I didn't see anybody picketing, protesting, rioting, doing anything. They were all talking to each other as though we were all voting for the same person. And I know we weren't, you know, so that was satisfying. Uh, yeah. But now, but to, to your point though, to get to uh, make a long story longer here is I, I think you're so right though, is we've now had a delay because the election was Tuesday, Tuesday night, the polls closed. You and I are recording this on a Thursday evening and there's still no resolve. So it has allowed time, I think, for most folks to breathe. And mm-hmm. and I really, I'm thankful for that with the tensions rising as high as they have. And I understand tensions mm-hmm. on either side. Um, it's a gift, I guess. <laughs> but I do really <laughs> understand tensions on either side. Some of them very legitimate and some may be fabricated, but tensions high either way. And but this, legitimate in their own minds. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's easy to say, yes, you know, that's not yes. a legitimate fear, but in their mind, that it's a reality. That is that true. And that we are completely blind for not seeing it. Yeah, that is true. But I think this has given us all an opportunity to kind of pause and just as you said to to do some reflection and to come to grips with well it may or may not be going the direction i want and none of us really know for certain you know mm-hmm. um and, and that's that's back to that holding loosely at this point right you know we yes. may have a hope of one direction or another which most of us do uh but it's really at this point beyond our control and maybe a little more uh, resolve to just release and accept whatever happens. I think that's very well, very well said. In fact, I, I can't think of anything, <laughs> any better way to end it up. You know, um, I think just a reminder um, to everyone out there that patience does sometimes cause pain, but there, it also causes joy. <laughs> it also leads yeah. to to good things. Um, and I and I think it is best to live your life with the idea that the sun will come up tomorrow, um, even if you're not there to see it. So, <laughs> your bottom dollar. <laughs> yes, yes. This that that things things will get better. Um, life is difficult, but it's also beautiful. It's also wonderful, you know. And and there there are silver linings around around the clouds that, that we see in our lives. So anyways, I've really just enjoyed talking with you, Leonard. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to summarize before we close out today? Yeah, I, I, I think just kind of to what you're alluding here, just, just embracing the moment and accepting where it is, even when it's beyond our control. And uh, yeah, I, that's, that's about all I have. I, I, I think, uh, you know, for our listeners, we thank you for your patience. You know, uh, here we are, episode 31, 32, moving along. And uh, it's been great to be on this journey with you all. And uh, love to hear from you at furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to reach out to us. And, and uh, as always, we certainly want to recognize our sponsored Upwards Unlimited, Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, Unlimited.com. And they are a group of learning professionals that will help you and your teams improve your conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. And with that, we'll say a fair goodbye. Take care, everyone.